Good evening. I tell you what, these are the kind of meetings that if we leave right now, we are still transformed. Powerful. That, how many thank God for that worship team? Thank you, Lord. God bless you, friends. Anointed, powerful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I felt that I said, oh, this is another setup of the Lord. He, he brought me here not just to preach. No, no, no. But to receive and to be transformed. We are all shaking in the presence of God. This, this has been awesome. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Lord is doing some different things in our lives. Uh, we continue in ministry. But also, there have been fresh revelation about the work that God wants to do through the homes and families. And that kind of explains why then it brings meaning to the fact that we have been, most of us or many of us, struggling specifically in the area of relatives, family, homes, because the enemy knows that's the next battle. That's one area that the Holy Spirit is going to use so mightily. And, you know, preachers, we as preachers are... Sometimes there are messages that we are drawn to. And sometimes there are messages we want to escape from. (laughs) And this one uh, is not what I'm going to preach today. Maybe I'll have the courage to preach it tomorrow, okay? (laughs) So come, just in case. But but, uh, I was saying, Lord, why should I preach this? I cannot make it. The Lord gave me an entire chapter to preach to my online church and network. And I said, Lord, we don't even make it to verse 2. How can we believe this whole thing? And so there was a little discussion. How many know when we have an argument with God, he always wins? He's smarter, he's stronger, and we love him enough to say, have your way, Lord. And so I preached on that, and then it began a process. We are just in the midst, in the beginning of that process. Because I decided to do something about it after the message. And I invited some neighbors to my house. And my home has been pretty protected in a sense. Plus, we live in a neighborhood that you got to watch who you invite, you know, <laughs> or you might lose a few items. And so. <laughs> Uh, so we have been careful on that. But I was encouraged because uh, Cornelius, for instance, he invited, have you noticed he invited his relatives and friends and close friends. He was pretty smart to start the ministry, you know. Yes. He didn't invite the strange ones that can come and steal and do all that stuff. I said, well, maybe there is a, maybe the, God is making this a little bit easier. But in any case, we started with men's meeting and just at the beginning, because it was hard to even know. I was constantly thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. Now, I'm a preacher, okay? I, I have been a, 
pastor of several churches, and now we have a church online. But I'm saying, Lord, this is different, and I know you're doing something different. Show me the way. So within the first few minutes, well, by the way, we don't invite. The idea is not to invite anyone that is saved or goes to church. They have to be pagans, and they have to be on church, you know. So this one guy, uh, within a few minutes of a conversation, because at first it was just coffee, you know, and talking a little bit. And he said, I know I'm going to be gone earlier than my wife. You're going to be gone? Yes, he said, gone, like die. He's, he has some years on him, yeah. And he said, Sergio, would you do the funeral for me? And I said, I would love to, but with one condition, that you that you be born again. <laughs> so it was, um, his eyes were like this, you know. Now he knows, I'll do the funeral for free. I said, I won't charge you anything, plus you will be dead. And, but, uh, but the condition is, I say, what kind of hope can I give to your family if we don't know where you went? You have to be born again. So that was the beginning of the first meeting. And, and I couldn't believe my words even because I'm not that outgoing. You know, I said, oh, my Lord, you must be doing something that I don't know. And I tell you, in this conference, I feel the same way, that God is about to do something. He is doing already something that we cannot quite maneuver or control. And it's wonderful because that is God moving in the midst of our lives. As I was sitting there, melting in the presence of God, I thought, this has destiny. These meetings will change lives and entire families. See, our faith had been growing even through the songs, right? And by the time we were you know, halfway through the worship, we were, I think we were in the seventh heaven or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And our faith is encouraged. And so expect incredible things from God. But expect tremendous things in your home. This conference is to take home, to see it the next day or the next week. Amen? Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Glory to God. So today I want to share briefly in less than four hours <laughs> about the only condition we can place before God. Now for some of you, this chapter, you have read it many times. For some of you, it might be new material. But for all of us, we need to make a decision tonight that we will remove all the conditions with God except one. Now you keep this one. This is important. This is valid. This is biblical. And I remember visiting Las Vegas. Uh, you know you can preach in Las Vegas too. <laughs> I didn't go to any casino, no. And uh, the church put me in a wonderful hotel. And if you would have seen my hotel room, even my wife that wasn't there, she would have been proud of me. Because instead of scattering all my stuff, you know, I was very orderly. Everything was neat. And the room was so big and so nice. And it had some doors to a little balcony there. So, you know, I thought, I'm in the desert. 
it's going to be warm all night through. So I left the doors open. In the morning, I was very uncomfortable. So uncomfortable, I had a rough time getting out of bed to turn the air conditioner or the heater on. It was so freezing cold. <laughs> now, if you would have seen just the picture, it, it looked like, oh, Pastor Sergio, you're having a good time. But no, I was miserable because I needed something, temperature. In your life, you can have everything in place. You know, retirement, children, grandchildren, or what, whatever you wish, if the Lord gives you that grace. But if you don't have the warmth of his presence, absolutely nothing satisfies you. You can be miserable in the middle of success. You, you can be crying and not even know why. Because there's only one thing that fills the spirit of the men and women. And it's the presence of God. Period. There's nothing else that reaches that to the inner being and brings peace. And so we can only put one condition to serve God. And this is for the grown-ups here. And there are a few of us that are more than 50. We passed it long ago. And then some others here that are less than 12 or 10, you know. It's for all of us. For all of us, Okay. The only condition you, put, you can put before God. Now, let's read together from Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, 1 to 3. And that's going to give you the background. I'm reading, I think I'm reading from the NIV. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. So what was this place? The wilderness, right? And go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Listen to this. It gets better. I will send an angel before you. And drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. How many know this is all a beautiful promise? It's like prosperity together with military victory and territory and the promises fulfilled. The dream of your life. And then God says, but I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Now, please understand, God is sending a million people with Moses out of the wilderness into the place where the prophecies will be fulfilled. Like for some of you that are waiting for prophecies and promises to be fulfilled. This was the dream for anyone. But God said, I will not go with you. That's the only condition that God placed. And sometimes God does this with his servants. You pray for a business, he said, I'll give you the business. 
You pray for a better family, not another family, your family getting better. And then God answers. And many Christians live from one promise to another, always waiting for something else. Give me this, give me that. And we are full of needs and our families are full of needs. But many times the Lord says, go. And he stays back. Why? In this case, because the people of Israel were so proud and so disobedient that God will have, if he will come with them, he will not come to bless them. He will come to destroy them. And what is the answer of Moses to this? Basically, Moses said, God, no deal. Beautiful promises, but I cannot take this. And in verse 15, chapter 33, 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Now, I'm reviewing this. So many of you Christians, you know it. You might have heard me preaching this somewhere else or, or here. I don't know. But I will tell you this. We need this word today. I believe all of us. Because God is about to do something so amazing with his people here. So many prayers, so much fasting, so much praise, so much trusting. And I, as I was sitting there, I'm going like, yes, this is another place that I know. I was trying to take it all in because I said this, we're writing history. Because of God, God's plan for this people and this place. There is like an approval. There is like God saying, yes. And I probably he told you already a hundred times because these were not new. These were prophecies repeated to the ancestors for years and years. And yet now the time was coming to take that land. But Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That is the prayer of revival. That is saying, thank you, Lord, for blessings. Thank you for prosperity. Thank you for protection. Thank you from, for healing. But unless we have your presence with us, we, religion is not enough. To have our own land is not enough. Success is not enough. Prosperity is not enough. Now, many others, and that's why you see different levels in the churches. Some churches say, I'll take that. I mean, military victories, all this place that flowing with milk and honey is a sign that God is with us. Let's just do it. Don't, you don't have to worship so much. You don't have to pray so much. You don't have to cry so much. It's just receive and go with it. But this man of God, he changed history twice. Because in previous chapters, he interrupted heaven from destroying these people. God was going to come and wipe them out of the face of the earth. And saying, Moses, I will initiate a new nation with you. Move, because I need to bring judgment on these people. Now, how big do we think Moses was for God to have, say, can you move a little bit to the right? Can, can you move a little bit? 
permission, Moses, please. God will do nothing without announcing to his prophets. And so he said, I need to do this. I need to bring judgment. And Moses said, no, Lord. Rather remove me from the book, but don't destroy my people. He saved a million people right there. That's amazing. Intercession is the most powerful ministry on planet Earth. I am a preacher, secondarily. First, my first ministry is prayer. I do spend more time in prayer than in sermon preparation or preaching or anything. And I say that after going to 50 nations and traveling and being in so many meetings and conferences. But prayer should be our number one ministry. Because it saves nations. Prayer can save nations. So Moses interceded. God withdrew from that. But the people didn't change. So many times, you know, Lord, don't destroy my nation. And God gives us another 10 years of grace and mercy. But we need change. We need transformation. And so now Moses said, I'd rather die in the sand of this wilderness than going to the promised land without you. You have to come with us. Let me share with you what are not valid conditions to serve God. Personal fulfillment. Some of you might be saying, I am, you know, because this pastor is leading the church to higher levels. I know that. He's a revivalist. He provokes my faith. And so, and some of you come from other places, but still in this conference, you're going to be challenged in your faith. But some of you might say, well, I will, yes, I will serve the Lord, but I need personal fulfillment first. That's not a biblical condition. No. I will serve the Lord, but I need ministry success first. No. Lord, I will serve you, but if you assure protection and long life. No. Nice try. No, that cannot be a condition for ministry. Lord, even if you kill me tomorrow, give me these 24 hours to serve you. Those are the people that move the hand of God. A family without problems, that's not a good condition. Now, I'm getting into deep waters here because many times I said to my wife, well, maybe we have so many problems with our relatives and our family, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this. How many know that's no good? A family without major problems. Job had his sweet wife saying to him, why don't you curse God and die? Now, what an encourager. (laughs) And he basically was faithful. Even if he kills me, he said, I will still be faithful to him. Avoiding suffering. Some Christians think that suffering is a sign of defeat. And the church is becoming weak because of that teaching. Uh, And then when the big persecution or if a big persecution comes, then only a small percentage survive in faith because they are weak. But if you think of Jeremiah, he didn't avoid suffer, suffering. He went 
straight to it out of obedience. And was for some, you know, those who expect life to be all success, they will say, oh, poor Jeremiah. He didn't have enough faith and he suffered so much. Jeremiah was a tremendous ministerial success. So much that his two books, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, are still being read thousands of years later. He not only had success, he had influence. He had something that anointed him, God anointed him to impact nations. So avoiding suffering is not a condition. Lord, I will serve you if I don't suffer. No. Reaching all of our goals. Lord, I will serve you if I can reach everything I purpose and I write on my calendar and my agenda. No, that's not a biblical condition. Even the Apostle Paul, who will make plans ahead and say, I'm planning to go to this city and this other city. And then he had a shipwreck. And then he had six and a half years in jail. Imagine six Christmas in jail for us. It would be pretty hard, right? And what did he do from jail? Write letters. Almost half of the New Testament. Talk about real influencers. Acceptance and applause from our people is not a condition. If you say, Lord, I will serve you. I will work for you. Whatever you ask me, I will do. But I need the approval of all of the people. I need to hear some clapping. And so, oh, you did great. No, you don't. The Bible says that Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to those who received him, believed in him, he gave them life. And then one more. I told you we're getting into deep waters. Financial prosperity cannot be a, a condition. Because the Apostle Paul says, I have learned. See, you learned this. You are a disciple on this. You are trained on this. I have learned to live at different levels, with abundance or with nearly nothing. He learned. So he was not complaining because he was equipped to do it. Uh, so if we would have asked, dear St. Paul, what kind of menu do you get in jail? He would have shared it with us, and we probably wouldn't have been impressed. Didn't you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? And he would say, yes, but read the, the verse before. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned, I have been trained to live at different levels. So financial prosperity cannot be a condition to serve our Lord. I am preparing you with the word of God for the coming revival. If you put conditions and if you set a price on your ministry and your soul, the devil will pay it. And they will say, oh, that's what you need. Okay, I'll give it to you. And it will derail many people from the coming move of God. But you are being prepared. Amen? Say with me, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Amen and amen. Now, I tell you, what helped me value the presence, there's nothing for me than the, 
bigger than the presence of God. I need it. It's my oxygen. I don't want to live without it. And what happens is I missed the first years of the revival in Argentina. Many people don't know this. The revival broke out in my city, in the city of La Plata, March 1984. That was the month that the Lord, I thought he guided me to study at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. So I was only one day at the beginning of the, we didn't call it the revival, the tent meeting. About 100 people there. There were more mosquitoes than people. <laughs> and so I thought it was great. I liked the new evangelist that I'd never seen before. He prayed for me. And I went to the States the next day. And I started receiving letters from my mom. She would handwrite them page after page. She would say, hundreds are coming to the Lord. A revival had broken up. And I couldn't believe my eyes. So I said, Lord, let's forget about my, my vocation or my studies. They were theological studies. Let's forget about this. Let me go to Argentina, and God will answer me every devotion. No, you're not going. You're not going. Why would God Almighty prevent a saint from going to his own hometown to enjoy the beginning of an awesome revival? I didn't know. It caused me so much hurt. At some point, I thought I was completely out of the will of God. Maybe I'm lost completely, and God just push me aside, whatever. And no, no, no. Time later, he allowed me to go. I was so desperate because those letters and the reviews, even Peter Wagner, our dear friend, he would ask me, how is the revival in Argentina? And I would read the letters that my mother sent. So I was talking to others about revival, but I couldn't go and enjoy it. And that created a sort of spiritual trauma when you miss, you think you miss something in the will of God. By the time I arrived, I remember that first night, everything was different. The revival messed up everything. My father's church was one of the most organized Assembly of God churches in the area. By the time the revival came, things changed. So the crusades, the initial crusades lasted six months. It is said that about 40,000 people came to Christ in the first half a year. Unheard of before in the city of La Plata. Now, I go to my dad's church, to the old building. It was completely overwhelmed with people. And when the ministry time comes, they remove all the chairs, and there will be lines and lines and lines. And a lot of people, a lot of ministers, some of them I didn't know, new leaders that my father raised, they were praying one by one for those lines. So the, the ushers thought that this is the son of the senior pastor. I'm sure we are, they were sure I have some kind of anointing. I have zero. I just came from, my, my mind was so full with Greek and Hebrew and analytics of Greek analytics and theology and wonderful things. But I couldn't heal a dog. I couldn't do anything. I was wavering and thinking everything because it was more 
study for the mind. And so, but somehow, and my father asked me, and so I was there, and I was looking at what everyone else was doing. And these people were powerful. Now, some of them, I knew them because they were ushers in the church. And now they are so empowered with the Holy Spirit. And they were deliverances and healings, and you see the, the commotion. And my line was as long as theirs or even longer. Because the people had expectation. Oh, the son of Pastor Alberto Scataglini came from the United States. He must be really powerful. And so I prayed for one person, needed healing. And secretly I was saying, Lord, I, I'm not sure you want to heal her or not. But let your will be done. If she needs to be healed, heal her. And if not, take her to heaven. <laughs> that kind of prayer. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, so committed to the will of God. But no, no one will be healed. And I prayed for another. And it was the, the voice in my mind. I mean, the, the, the secret going on in my mind. I said, this is not for me. I missed the revival. I probably will never get this anointing. So I called one of the ushers. I remember that night. And I said, uh, can you find someone else to pray? I need to go. And I left. Well, my dad, he doesn't give up very soon. Now he's in heaven. But in those days, uh, he's uh, descended from Italians and uh, very strong. So he came after me. He left the meeting too. And he said, son, hijo, que pasa? Son, what's happening? I said, dad, I don't have the anointing you guys have. I cannot do this. And you know what my dad answered? And I was full of theology, okay? To this day, I don't know how, where to put that theology of my father. He says, son, come back again, try again, because the anointing is in the air. That's what he said. I thought, what kind of doctrine is that? You know what? <laughs> but uh, so in any case, I stood there and I said, Lord, it's the same place. Apparently, they save it for me still. A few minutes later, I come back. Big meeting, you know, in, and I was standing to pray for the people. I said, Lord, will you give me a sign? My faith was so weak. I, I was there to watch, not to, not to give. And he said, this person you're going to pray for has demons and is about to manifest. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so I tried I try to pray. And, Whoa, okay. Then I said, Oh, maybe the anointing is in the air. I take it. I receive it. You know? And little steps. I have, to, I have to learn like a kid. Start again. Learning how to minister. Because it was different. The, the revival changes the modality of the church. Things that we used to do before and they were nice. Now they don't work anymore. Because now there is something more powerful. Amen. But then, going back to my studies and then came back to Argentina, and it was a different stage of the revival. I went to this open meeting, another crusade with our beloved Carlos Anacondia. And I was at the back, and I noticed there were some pastors there, leaders. We're not going to criticize the pastor, leaders. 
And they were kind of eating and enjoying themselves while Carlos was casting out demons after hundreds have come to Christ. I was coming from another city, but when I saw that, to me that was heaven on earth, okay? It was glorious. It was sublime. And so I said to one of the leaders, I said, so this is powerful, isn't it? And I was weeping. I couldn't take when when I saw the deliverance and the, the commotion of the Holy Spirit. And they were so passive. And one of them said to me, you know what? This is not the, no longer the trend. Things have changed in Argentina. And I realized they have changed. You know why? It, was, it came so easy to them. The first few days of the crusade, oh, let's cast out devils. Oh, let's heal the sick. Oh, 400 conversions, 2,000 conversions. And then it became too familiar. It became like, yeah, we don't need this anymore. Let's, let's go to the next trend. I tell you what, I'll never forget that moment. And I said, Lord, thank you. Because he gave me an answer. He spoke to me in prayer. Because I asked him over and over again, why wouldn't you let me stay in the revival the first few years, be there? And he told me clearly, you will have become so familiarized, you wouldn't have valued my presence. I, I understood. He knew my heart. My heart was not ready. I probably would have assumed, oh yeah, I'm the son of the main pastor and I'm a friend of the evangelist now. And God doesn't take that lightness. He wants, the, the spirit calls to our spirit. He wants commitment and he wants worship and he, was, he wants holy respect for his presence. So I realized that the times I couldn't be in the revival, I became so desperate. Then I was like a beggar. So when Carlos was praying, Carlos Anacondia was praying for people, you couldn't get close to him because there were ushers surrounding him because of the pressure of thousands of people wanting to be prayed for. So I made a deal with some of the ushers. I said, look, can I trade with you? And Because uh, you're tired or whatever. You know, I will put anything. Can I take your place? So I will replace an usher and go next to Carlos and look at everything he was doing. And I didn't realize, I was trying to learn the techniques a little bit. There was no, there was no technique. As I was close to him, the Holy Spirit was feeling me and changing me. And then I left that particular meeting that is engraved in my memory. And I realized I have so much power from God. Just because I was trying to be close to this man to see what he was doing. So when you wait for the presence, and many times God plays hard to get. Do you, do you know that's a biblical principle? God can play hard to get. And he does it for a reason. He's perfect. He does it always right. Just like Jesus, he camouflaged himself uh, with the disciples going to Emmaus. But then they start saying, please stay with us. And the Bible said he pretended as, he, as if he was, he continued, he was going on. 
And the disciples begged him, so he stayed. God wants us to value his presence more than anything else. Yes? Okay, now we're going to the main points. Okay. Number one, Moses valued the presence more than the dream of his life. Exodus 32, 34. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of. In other words, now is the fulfillment of your life. And he said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Then, Moses valued the presence more than the opportunity. So many Christians, they like opportunity. How many like opportunity? (laughs) Thank God for opportunities, but never put them ahead of God. I will send an angel before you, Exodus 33, 2. In other words, the doors will be automatic doors for you, Moses. You will have what you need. And he said, Lord, no deal. And God must have said, you asked me, whom will I send with you besides this million people? Because Moses asked that question, Lord, you're sending me, but you don't tell me who's coming with me. And he had a million people going with him. And so now he said, I'm, I'm sending the angel with you. Friends, how desperate was Moses for the presence of God that not even an angel was enough. Not even an angel was enough. Thank you, Lord, for the angel, but no deal. Unless your presence goes with us, do not, do not make us leave this wilderness. He, he preferred to die in the wilderness than to go to a promised land without God. Number three, he valued the presence more than conquering new territory. Now understand Moses was not only a, a priest and a prophet. He was also a fighter. And I believe... He must have had a desire to overcome and take that territory. But Exodus 33, 2, it says, And the angel will drive out the canonized Amorites, all these people that are there. You will have military victory immediate over them. But Moses said, Lord, no deal. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. You see, he was breaking exactly what the people of Israel were losing for, idolatry. He was breaking the power of idolatry. There was nothing that could be placed in front of Moses without the presence of God. They said, without your presence, I don't take, I don't want, I don't want, good or bad, I don't want. Number four, Moses valued the presence more than prosperity. Oh, Lord. Exodus 33, 3. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, in the wilderness, they have provision. In the promised land, they will have possession. It It was a different deal. 
They will not go miracle after miracle to have a meal on the table. Now they will be the owners of the vineyard and the business. The land flowing milk and honey, but I will not go with you. And that's what changed the prayer and the dialogue. And Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I am talking to people here that will have the opportunity to prove these principles to this pagan generation. Even to some Christians that already sold, exchanged the anointing for a plate of lentil soup or whatever soup that was that Esau. See, that man was so irreverent. He devalued the blessing and the birthright to the point of changing it for whatever hot plate of food he could have at the moment. Never change a business for revival. The God of revival can give you the best business too. See, we're not, we don't deny prosperity. But neither do we follow the gospel of prosperity. If there is any confusion in your mind about this, let me please be as clear as I can. The gospel of prosperity does not exist. Nowhere in the Bible you will find that phrase. You find the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of God, the gospel of the church. You don't find the the gospel of prosperity. We believe in biblical prosperity, but we don't follow it. We follow the cross. And prosperity follow us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will follow you. Amen. Moses valued the presence as the sign. Also as the sign. More, excuse me. More than prosperity. And then. Moses valued the presence as the sign of approval. For him, he felt strong in his identity and with his people if he had the presence of God. It's like you people, the people in this church. Your identity is the presence of God. If you have him, you are awesome. And if you don't have him, See, it's not about territory, it's not about prosperity, it's not about property. All that stuff, God can bring it. But Moses valued the presence as a sign of approval. It says in verse 33, 16, how, how will anyone know, Moses is saying to God, that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? How will people even notice that God is pleased with me unless he comes with me? And that can heal your identity. Because if you base your identity on your results, when you have a bad month, then you don't have identity. Then you are confused and you are defeated. And you say to yourself, I'm a failure. And you compare yourself with others. Oh, I, know. I, I, I shouldn't have been born. God wants you to have a strong identity. And to know that he is pleased with you when he is with you. If you have him, he's pleased. You have his approval. 
And so that takes us to the last point. Moses valued the presence as the source of his identity. Verse 33, 16, the second part. What else will distinguish me? What else will make me different from all these pagans around? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The church needs distinctiveness. There is a movement, and it is a little bit uh, apostate. Is that a word? Uh, that is trying to say, in order to win more people, in order to win the world, let's become like the world. Oh, come on. That's, not the, that's not the secret sauce of Christianity. Yeah. In order to win the world, let's become like Jesus. Yeah. Then we can make an impact. Yeah. What else will distinguish me and your people? From all the other people on the face of the earth. That's the identity of the church. When the church carries the presence, we are the people of God. And if the church doesn't carry the presence, it doesn't matter how much money you have, fame, YouTube uh, subscribers, nothing matters. You're no different unless you have his identity. You are distinguished because Christ in you is the hope of glory. And you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Moses said, Oh Lord, unless your presence goes with us, do not send us out from here. Now this will surprise you, the conclusion. Because technically, theologically, God should not have accepted because the people of Israel, there was no national repentance. It's like us saying, Lord, uh, you promised this and that, but unless you come with us, uh, we, don't, we don't take that promise for the United States of America. And there's no repentance. And so, what changed? The prayer of Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. God is saying, you're my friend. You're not a nobody. You have a name. I know your name. Yes. Friends, that intimacy is not just for us to enjoy a glorious meeting like this tonight. And those who are watching online or will be uh, watching the video. This is, is just the, the beginning because God is saying, I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So the Lord has said, I will do the very thing you have asked. My presence will go with you. Now you might say, then I'm sure Moses was completely satisfied. I said, Lord, you gave me more than I deserve. Maybe I over-asked, but you over-answered. Thank you. No. Verse 18. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Now that you say you're coming with me, I want even more. Come on. Yes. Show me your glory. Amen. Moses was insatiable. Moses didn't have a limit, apparently. 
And that's how he was able to lead not only that million people, but many of us. Because he wrote the law, the, the law of Moses. God revealed to him all the foundations of the, the Jewish and Christian faith. Now show me your glory. Friends, the times we are facing, they are so incredibly evil. I don't need to bring statistics here. Before, you have to kind of persuade the saints, we are in dangerous times. Now you don't have to persuade them. It's evident. All these demonic ideologies, they are thought of in hell. And uh, a doctor, a medical doctor said the other day on television, uh, you people cannot really uh, know the, the sex of a kid, the gender of a kid, until he's about six years old. Are you a doctor? Are you, there, uh, what, is, what is wrong with our generation? Because God gave them a spirit of stupor. A spirit of confusion. Some of them are surrendered to the spirit. And they don't even make sense among themselves. They even laugh of each other. Some of the things you are seeing today. They are beyond logic. Beyond any common sense. The church needs to have identity. We need to know who we are. We, we need to know there is not a price for our ministry. We don't, we don't, our ministry is not for sale. Any threat of the enemy, we have to be prepared for it. And be able to say, La Shadrach, Mezat, Abednego. My Lord is able to deliver me from your fire. But even if he wouldn't, we're not going to worship your God. That's the kind of identity. So I'm going to invite you to stand for a moment. If there is, let's start with, look, the first step is repentance. The door is always repentance. And I know I'm talking to the saints of God here, people that love the Lord. However, you can be even in a ministry for years and not being completely and conditionally surrendered to the Lord. Today is the day we're going to remove whatever conditions we have. A lot of people have, they, they don't, some Christians don't come to church to worship, they come to negotiate. Lord, if you give me this, then, I, you know, I think you people are past that. We need to say, Lord, since I gave you probably 95% of my life, why not dying to myself and giving you all today? In that surrender, there is peace, there is identity, and there is fruitfulness. You will flourish. It's almost impossible not to flourish because you are given to the Holy Spirit. And so, if there is any area in your life when you have put conditions on God, maybe you have conditional faith because you have seen some fake Christians or failures or because you have a spiritual trauma 
And I remember when I lived years of depression. I was young, committed to prepare for serving the Lord. And I was in the depth of depression. And it was like in that area I couldn't trust God. You know why? There were arguments. So I said, Lord, you know that this relative of mine over there and the other and the other, they suffer depression too. So I'm sure I inherit that. So I was given room and validation to my depression. Until one day, the Lord spoke to me so clearly in the midst of my depression. And he said, I didn't give you the depression as part of the package of the gospel. It was not included. When I gave you the gospel, I didn't give you depression. So I wrote a sign this big. In the name of Jesus, I reject depression from my life. I didn't have the faith to be healed. I didn't feel anointing. I didn't feel anything, but I pasted on the university room where I was living. A few months later, the Lord speaks to me again. He said, my son, I have healed you completely from your depression. And you will heal the brokenhearted. I couldn't, see, I couldn't even imagine traveling from airport to airport for 25 years, going to all the continents, to five nations, to 50 nations and in those nations so many people got healed from panic attacks suicidal thoughts and depression with the healing that he healed me I healed them in the name of Jesus so my trauma became my testimony today you might have one of those you know well I used to trust the Lord but in this area uh, or Lord if you do this maybe but you know if you're tentative with God that's not faith you need to become like a child we need to become like children and just surrender this week oh I'm glad you were not on my private devotions because you you wouldn't have come here to hear me preach probably because I cry so much before God I said, Lord, this situation is utterly impossible. And it's right in front of me. And the temptation is just to say, okay, I'm hiding somewhere. I need, no, no, no. You either win with him or you lose. So that's been part of my week, you know. And, and we need to say, Lord, I remove the conditions to your presence. Are you ready to say that? God will register that prayer. There is a date today, this day, written in heaven, and God will register your commitment with him. So let's repent from any area of unbelief, questioning the word of God, and even our doubting and all that stuff. Let's you're ready? Let's take a moment to repent.
Lord, today we remove the conditions except one. We need your presence, Lord. We cannot live without it. We pray for your presence manifested in provision and prosperity in setting the captives free in delivering those who are demon possessed and tormented by the devil we pray your presence to heal the sick to resurrect dead people in Jesus we pray oh God let's lift up our hands to the Lord and receive, receive, receive there is such this is beyond anointing what I have perceived today in this house his glory is here friends when the glory comes we don't need to struggle there's no discussion there is no argument there's just surrender be filled with the Holy Spirit hallelujah hallelujah every young children, teenagers grandpas, grandmas parents young people receive, 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 receive 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 hallelujah Lord we remove the conditions we are unconditional Christians we surrender to you we submit to you we are not going to question your will we're going to want to know you more every day of our lives. We want, to, we want to be like Jesus every day of our lives. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We renounce to disappointment with God. To any saying, Lord, you could have done better or that kind of attitude. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Forgive our entanglement with the world. You are perfect in all your ways. You are mighty. You are holy. In Jesus' name we bind every voice that comes and sets up. Every spirit that sets up against the spirit of God in Jesus' name. Spirit of confusion. Live right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Now receive and be healed and be strengthened for the journey. Hallelujah. 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 One more moment. One more moment in His presence. Jesus our Lord and our Savior. see three stages in the presence of God tonight the first one is the oil of the spirit the oil of healing when the heart is broken or is damaged the mind is confused we need that oil of the Holy Spirit soothing us and healing us sometimes bringing answer or bringing 
hope and bring in a, a word of encouragement. So right now, Father, I minister the oil of healing to your people. There is a healing even in our emotions, in our memories. The past is healed. The heart is healed. The thoughts are healed. The oil of the Spirit is flowing in this room. Lord, we want to go deeper in you. And now we pray that your holy fire comes on us. That fire that burns every chain of sin and unrighteousness. That breaks every addiction. That fire that sanctifies our bodies, our souls, our spirits. Fire of God, touch us now. Descend upon us. Manifest your fire, Lord, among your holy people. You have an army here, Lord. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing right now. This fire that you gave me, I give to them. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, receive it in the name of the Lord. You carry this mantle. You carry the spirit of faith. You carry this power and purity and passion for God and for souls. Receive it right now. It's yours. It's yours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now, Lord, like Moses, we say now show us your glory. There is no persecution that can quench your glory. There's no evil news that can confuse us from your glory. When your glory comes, Lord, everything changes. Oh God, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, my Lord, yes, my Lord, yes. As pastor said, tonight is, a, is preparatory for the rest of the conference. We are laying the foundation. If you allow me, I would like to pray one by one for you. If two shall agree on earth, it will be done in heaven. And what took me years to receive and going through a whole process you may receive tonight freshly in one moment because the Lord is here, His presence and His glory is here. Hallelujah. And as I pray with you, trust that even your bones will respond. We're trusting for healings, renewal, restoration, 
nothing is impossible for our God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus. Wonderful Savior. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray together one by one. If you can come here, anyone who wants to be the first one. Whoever desires to be prayed for, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, what you gave me, I give to him.